0: Greetings and welcome to a special in-the-house podcast presentation. This is our seventh special episode. We have done uh, six previous on beginnings of league previews, on big match championship game previews, but this will be a special newsy uh, report coming from Scouse's house, coming from Indianapolis, Indiana today. Um, we will be back with our regularly scheduled weekly podcast. Uh, we're recording live this week from Oxmoor Toyota. Andy and I will be there. A couple of the players will be there. I know George Davis IV is going to be one of them. Uh, there are some special deals going on at Oxmoor. They've got some really great cars that you should take a look at. At the uh, very least, come on out meet the players. Meet Andy and I. Ask us any questions because we'll be recording live and uh, El President Scouse will be in the house. So please come on out on Wednesday evening. It starts at 530. We'll probably record at 8 p.m. Uh, but today for the special episode I am extremely thrilled and honored in fact to be uh, interviewing perhaps the preeminent USL journalist <laughs> in the United States. And uh, that is that is saying something. Uh, we I'm here with the, the co-host of the Lower Division America, Lower League America um, YouTube series, also one of the writers and editors of Sock Takes, just a writer. I apologize. That's me, but uh, one of the writers for Sock Takes, and somebody that you really need to be paying attention to if you want uh, the inside scoop on lower division soccer in the United States and the USL in particular. Uh, he is the soccer doctor himself. <laughs> it's uh, Nipun Chopra. Thank you very much for joining me. I have an absolute
1: pleasure. Thank you for driving here. Oh, uh, this is we are in uh, Siam Square.
0: Yeah, please. Siam Square was delicious. The food was fantastic. An excellent choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We enjoyed some. Food. Uh, I'm glad you're here in Indianapolis and uh, ready to talk about some soccer.
0: Outstanding. Well, I know that we want to talk today about the division realignment or the division uh, assignments, however they end up wanting to call it um, the the new USL, if you will. I know that we want to talk today about uh, the playoff race and what we expect going down the stretch in the USL. Uh, but I kind of want to talk first about uh, how does somebody go from being a soccer fan in general? To being um, someone with the inside scoop a lot of times on what's going on in lower division soccer, how do, how do you develop that sort of uh, that reputation and the ability to get those that information?
1: That's a good question. Um, in terms of how do you get that information, it's uh, it's more it's a bit of a complicated answer because I was lucky enough to know some people within American soccer as a result of my uh, podcast that I did which had to do with Manchester United. Uh, Ooh, go so, yeah, Gunners! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry. Guys, right, in 2012, uh, uh, Wenger in.
0: Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely comfortable with Wenger being out. Uh, but I was not a, a harsh proponent. Sure,
1: so. Yeah, Um So it's one of those things that I was able to tap into some of those resources who I've built up relationships with. and as a result of that little bit of information other people start to reach out to me who i didn't know and sort of start giving me more information okay and it's only after three or four months of doing that that i started asking the right questions all right Uh, and i think a lot of this stuff is asking the right questions and and having like you Evan, this is not either one of our day jobs. We we love, we just love the sport. Sure. So I think we are in a really privileged situation where we don't have to worry about a lack of access because the worst thing that could happen to us is someone cuts off our access which gives us... Uh, the worst thing that could happen is someone cuts off our access It doesn't affect our day, day-to-day right. livelihood at all. Right. So it actually should Be a call to arms for people who are listening to this to ask their their clubs and
0: their league the tough questions to have whatever sort of access it is that they're interested in exactly. and I, I agree and I've, I always think and while you're not patting yourself or myself on the back with this but it's a it's a service being provided to those leagues to be able to have information disseminated by people that they aren't paying that uh, aren't exactly right. aren't having to uh, ask us to get that information out just being willing to because we're interested in the product which I find fantastic uh, you have been how long have you been writing with Sock Takes? Uh, we founded Sock Takes in February two thousand and seventeen. Two thousand and seventeen. So it's been about a year and a half. Yeah. now, and uh, I know that I follow regularly, um, and I know that a lot of our listeners do also. What was the what was it you were hoping to write about when you uh, when you guys got that started?
1: So SockTakes was founded by me and my good friend Kevin Johnston. Kevin is the manager and editor of SockTex, and really the money guy behind SockTex, too. Okay. So he really is the guy who gets most of the credit, in my opinion. Um, Kevin and I, Kevin writes for the Indy Star, Mm -hmm. um, which is our local newspaper, and uh, both Kevin and I felt that we weren't able to ask and answer the questions we were interested in with, in terms of Indy 11 specifically but also about the leagues we were in, with NASL. We were in NASL at the time. Sure. Uh, and then of course uh, this year, USL. Uh, so the kinds of stories we were interested in was to kind of pull the, to peel the onion a little bit. Okay. And to un- to kind of address all these layers because as you and I were talking about, as you go deeper and deeper, there's so many details that we never think about. And with, I feel like I have learned so much with every story I've written just because and that's what's fun for me is to learn more and that's why I do this I'm just, I'm just always curious about these things but I'm so interested in where we are as a soccer nation and where we are in the diaspora of the conversation okay um, and that's what I'm interested in answering is why is USL the way it is why is Indy 11 Doing this or not doing this? Why are they incapable of doing this or not doing this? Okay, and that gets you into areas of franchise disclosure documents and gets you into areas of legal
0: documents. Yeah,
1: and it's it's a world that I knew absolutely nothing about, and I'm endlessly fascinated by. And so that's sort of what we were trying to do was answer these questions, put light on stuff that no one really knew about.
0: Okay, and that's and that's such a valuable thing because uh, there aren't there aren't two dozen people in this country who have both the time the ability and the willingness to dive into legal contracts and uh, franchise agreements Uh, even if you've got somebody who would completely understand it uh, you have to have somebody who's able to then uh, share that information in a way that is consumable to other people and that's why sock takes i think uh, provides such a service to lower division soccer fans in this country but now that I'm done being really nice, yeah, I'll ask... Let's uh, do it. Let's uh, you do you talked to me about the transition for Indy 11 from NASL to USL. What has your experience been between the two leagues? What was the biggest difference between the two leagues for you this season? Stability. Okay.
1: Stability is the biggest difference. Uh, for the last three years, Ricard Battalion, which is uh, our supporter group. I'm a board member uh, this year. And there have always been conversations within the board and within the fans, but are we playing next year? Yeah. Is this league gonna survive? Or is our club gonna survive? And for the first year since the club founded, there are no doubts that we'll be playing next year. So the biggest difference That's is comforting stability. stability.
0: Well, and I know that for uh, Louisville fans, when City came into existence, there was a lot of discussion about whether they would be an NASL team or a USL team. And I I think that sometimes City fans take for granted that that the league that they're in has always been a league that was going to play the next year. And uh, it seems like Indy sort of got the... I don't know if there was conversation about Indy joining USL as opposed to NASL originally, but it seems like that that was a coin flip for a lot of uh, for a lot of franchises about what league they would join, and it just turned out that one of them, uh, you know, continued to grow, and the other sort of started slipping apart.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So in my deep dive into NASL and USL, what I've learned is that Indy Eleven joined NASL during what I would call the last year of NASL NASL superiority. Sure. Uh, Indy 11 joined NASL in 2014, and I believe genuinely that the NASL was far ahead of USL in 2014. Agreed. In terms of quality of play, in terms of paying players, in terms of stability at the time. (laughs) However, the crossover point was 2015, and I think 2015 both leagues were at par, and starting 2016, USL became the dominant.
0: League. Which I think has absolutely clearly a correlation between when Louisville joined the league and their immediate upsurges. I'm mostly kidding. Louisville uh, no, was a I, great I th- franchise. Think, but.
1: I don't think I don't think that's a joke. I think teams like Cincy and Louisville coming into the league mm-hmm. are a huge turning point because the NASL was focusing on big markets. Sure, the NASL started. Genuinely start believing that they were an MLS competitor. Okay. So they were starting to think about New York. They're starting to think about Miami. They were, they were not worried about markets like Louisville and Cincy. They didn't even compete with Louisville and Cincy really for because they believed that all oh, these markets won't support soccer. Right. It was the biggest mistake NASL
0: made, and that is why USL is where they are now. And it's a lot of fun for USL fans to see, uh, even if it's sort of gilded. Uh, stability. Uh, Sometimes you wonder if it's being, if what is being presented to the franchises and the fans is perhaps... Better than the reality of where the league is in terms of the, in terms of its own stability, and the most recent example of this is the rebranding right. of the lower divisions. I promised on our last podcast that when I had the opportunity to speak to you about this, that this would be a big focus. Yeah. Is I don't feel adequate to be able to explain uh, what does this really mean? Uh, we're we're going to now have three divisions all under one umbrella. And those three divisions will not immediately or necessarily ever have pr- promotion and relegation, but that they will exist under USL completely. Uh, can you tell me, can you walk me, the novice and our, uh, our listeners who know way more than I do, about uh, what does this rebranding really mean both in terms of how does it work? Yeah. And then second, what, what kind of direction does that provide USL going forward?
1: How does it work? It it nothing's going to change in terms of how the leagues operate immediately. So U.S.L. Mm-hmm. Uh, the championship.
0: Yes. Let's, let's start using the right name. The championship. Up.
1: The championship will be insular. It will be playing only championship teams. The franchise fee will not change. Nothing is going to change. Okay. Similarly with. League One, which is now USL D3, will come into existence in 2019. They will operate just the way they have. Nothing will change. Same thing with PDL. It will remain an amateur division, which is currently unsanctioned by USASA. Okay. Nothing will change. That'll be League Two. What will be different is appearance. All right. It will appear to sponsors. It will appear. To potential owners, that there is the ability to move within the leagues. Okay. And when you brand yourself as the championship and you go to a local owner, that owner's probably not gonna really. That owner's gonna be impressed. Sure. That owner's probably not gonna know that MLS exists. Because right. Even though people like you and myself and your listeners are in this soccer bubble. Truthfully, there is a, as you know, Evan, there is a massive population of people that have no idea what soccer is
0: in the U.S. That's that's completely right. The number of people that I have asked me on a regular basis uh, if uh, Louisville City plays in MLS or actually MSL is the most common <laughs> uh, is the most MSL. common way that it's pronounced to me is is constantly shocking. Uh, this the comparison that keeps going on in my head for this. And correct me if I'm, I'm inaccurate or uh, or whatever but uh, is a Verizon wireless store. Huh. So you have actual Verizon stores that you go in and they're owned by Verizon and operated by Verizon and they have franchise owners there, but yeah, it's a Verizon store. But then you also have Verizon authorized dealers, which is not owned by Verizon. It's just you know, a privately owned independent group that happens to operate under the umbrella of Verizon. Huh. Is that sort of what we're talking about when we talk about uh, League One and League Two at this point? or is am i completely off base
1: so the similarity definitely exists in terms of how championship and league one operate in terms of awarding franchises mm-hmm. so obviously usl is a true franchise model usl is a registered franchiser uh, in every state that it has to be sure. in. so there's some truth to the comparison but usl while usl d3 will have Will have uh, its own front office, so to speak. That's right. Makes decisions, and there are clearly differences between the two. I don't think any USL D three can do anything truly independently. Okay. So, in, the, in I guess in your with your example, that's probably accurate because no one should really go against Verizon, even if they're independent. Right. Right. You're so not I gonna guess, rise up
0: against. Them. Yeah, you yeah. Can't,
1: you're not rising up against Verizon. And similarly, even though they are slightly different units. Uh, the USL umbrella will make sure that no one rises up against
0: the US. And that's, that's, rises up against them is a fun and appropriate term for that. <laughs> because uh, as they've called them the soccer wars for years, yeah. They is this the end of the soccer wars? Is this the, the, the final co- nail in uh, NASL's coffin in uh, uh, the, the goals of the Cosmos and uh, the other lower division soccer around the country independent lower division soccer is this sort of the end of that or do we think we'll still see that popping up over the next few years yeah but i want to make sure what
1: i'm so in in i always use biology analogies because that's how my brain works in evolution there's a thing called punctuated equilibrium mm-hmm. it's the idea that basically evolution happens and then natural selection evens things out, nothing happens for a bunch of years and then again it starts over when there's more selection pressure. I think we are seeing a moment of punctuated equilibrium in United States soccer. Even though NPSL Pro is coming into existence, even though NISA has come into existence and I believe that both will uh, for 2019, I don't think they're going to have any sort of real impact in the near term. Okay. I think whether or not the soccer wars is over is a question we will answer 5 years from now. Just like when NASL broke off from USL in 2009-2010, mm-hmm. USL was an unimportant entity for like four or afterthought, 5 years. Yeah. And it wasn't until 2014 that we started talking with the soccer wars again. And there was that punctuated equilibrium for 4 years. I think we are in a moment where USL is the game in town. Okay. The important game in town for the next three or four years, but that might change in the future. And let me add, add this: in terms of New York Cosmos, if New York Cosmos and Rocco Camiso's uh, lawsuit yeah reaches fruition, U.S. soccer will never be the same again mm. because division sanctions will be stripped away. Okay. Which means that the valuation of USL will completely go like this. Yeah. Uh, and MLS actually. Sure. So, we are still in a situation where it might all come crumbling down based on a legal decision.
0: Okay. And just because I'm curious now, where do we stand with that lawsuit right now?
1: Currently, it is. See ya, nice to see you guys. Um, currently, the lawsuit is stuck in court in Brooklyn. Mm hmm. Uh, it is in the in the discovery process uh actually it's not in the discovery process it is in the scheduling of the discovery process okay so uh, early days yeah so a realistic timeline for a decision in the lawsuit is probably early june uh 2019 or if we're looking at a later timeline, we're talking about well into 2020
0: and that is uh and that would just be for the original ruling and uh, whichever side loses would undeniably appeal at that point, and then it would be whether or not it would get the appeal granted, and then it would be another trial, sure. or it would just be over if the appeal is denied.
1: There's another lawsuit that's of interest, which is the CAS ruling, uh, which is filed in the CAS code, Court of Arbitration for Sport. Okay. Which is uh, in uh, Zurich, I believe. I might have the city wrong. Okay. Uh, Anyway, so uh, that is a filing from the owner of Miami FC, Mm -hmm. uh, which is and and the owner of uh, Kingston Stockade FC, uh, Dennis Crowley, uh, who was the owner of uh, who founded uh, um, that app, uh, which which is Foursquare. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the one who founded Foursquare. Anyway, so the two of them have filed this lawsuit uh, in the Court of Arbitration for Sport which requires the institution of promotion and relegation by according to FIFA statutes. Okay. And that is also probably like a 2020 thing.
0: And what uh, type of uh, what type of authority does the Court of Arbitration for Sport have over a uh, private United States business? A very good
1: question. <laughs> so the court all uh, so every time you hear about a doping violation, mm-hmm. every time you hear about Olympic violations, the place that athletes go to is a court of arbitration for sport. That is believed to be the highest court for sport. Okay. Court of arbitration for sport. However, the so so in other words, FIFA stands by CAS rulings. Okay. If something is decided in a CAS court, FIFA instit- abides by it. Abides by it, exactly. In terms of whether USL would abide by it or MLS is a more complicated question because American law is definitely more it would
0: supersede whatever uh, some court in Zurich or Geneva or yeah. wherever would have.
1: But then the question becomes: If they supersede CAS, are they out of uh, FIFA sanction? Okay. And if they're not sanctioned by FIFA, so in other words, if MLS says if we don't agree with any of this, we're going to do our own shit. Right? Okay. At that point, do uh, and they and they withdraw from FIFA, so they become non-FIFA sanctioned leagues. Are there players? Oh, I'm sorry. Are no, you fun? Are there players? Then FIFA sanctioned players, and if they're not,
0: are they eligible to play in uh, World Cup? Or are they eligible to be yeah. transferred to other clubs? A lot of a lot of interesting exactly. uh, dilemmas. So it would behoove them to to uh, adhere to whatever rulings uh, CASS would uh, would hand down. Right. But that legally they may not be required to.
1: I think that's a really yeah. good way to summarize that yeah.
0: excellent <laughs> all right I'm in, I'm in the weeds for this sort of thing and so let's let's You're back telling out. Me. <laughs> let's let's back out all a right. little bit and let's talk about uh, this current M- uh, USL season yep um, you just got to go last night to watch the Cincinnati versus Indy 11 game uh, first give me your thoughts about uh, that a the environment because uh, all of our fans a, a number of our listeners uh, have made the trip up for Cincinnati games and it's a different it's a different sort of animal. And then uh, beyond that, what, what was your opinion of the two teams headed into the playoff drive?
1: So the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, 31,000 plus. Whew. Uh, it's That's a, the new record, isn't it's it? It's a new uh, regular season record. Mm. Uh, the record in Cincinnati. I was there for it. was 34 for U.S. Open Cup, I believe. Goodness. Was amazing. Was that amazing. the fire game? Uh, I don't know if it was the fire or the uh, the crew, crew game. game yeah. One of the
0: two. I was there for both. I crazy, both. crazy numbers.
1: Crazy numbers. Um, and I'm doing a, one of our next episodes of Lower League America is going to be Cincinnati-based. Yeah. And the general theme is that FC Cincinnati is a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And that there's some there are lessons other teams can learn, but truthfully, no one's going to replicate that. Yeah. It's a lightning in a bottle. But anyway, setting that aside, atmosphere fantastic. Yeah. Um, Raucus fans we uh, Brickyard had a couple hundred fans of our own
0: always great yeah
1: they were, I heard them from across the stadium I was, I was so proud of them um, the teams FC Cincinnati rotated their entire squad okay like they didn't start Ledesma
0: so they were playing their two team
1: they were playing their two team and they beat Indy 11 3-0 Oof. And, and Indy 11 is not a bad team Indy 11 is not a bad team and Indy 11 was not in the game after the 20th minute. Okay. So 3-0 is not a flattering scoreline. No. It could have been 4. could wow. have been 5. So, uh, it gives you an idea of the, the disparity in talent. Yeah. From, with FC Cincinnati and the rest of the league. Uh, so yeah, in terms of playoffs, FC Cincinnati are motoring ahead. I predicted before the start of the season, and Louisville City would finish first, yeah. and FC Cincy second. Obviously, Cincy made some incredible signings uh, since then, and they have did. Been, uh, have been had a rocket up their butt after the MLS announcement. Sure. Um, and I predicted Indy Eleven would finish fifth or sixth, we are in fifth. We'll probably finish sixth. Okay. And uh, that's
0: where we are. And uh, let's say Indy finishes in sixth place. Uh, and you go into a game against Pittsburgh or Louisville, how do you feel uh, Indy stacks up in terms of their actual playoff chances once they get there? Is this a team capable of a deep run or is this a team that, you know, will be happy to have gotten there in their first year in the USL and then regroup for next year?
1: It's a very good question. and I'll be honest, I haven't thought this through very much. What I will say is that if, if Indy came up against Louisville uh, three months ago with O'Connor in charge, mm-hmm. I would not give Indy Eleven a chance. Okay. At all. Okay. Under Hackworth, I think there's a chance. I think Louisville City goes in as favorites just because of just because of their Louisville's big game status. Yeah. From what I gave them. I, I was in Louisville City for all the playoff games last season.
0: Me too. Yeah, I know you were there. <laughs> uh,
1: and I watched that team do things that I, that I'm still amazed by. Absolutely amazed by. Um, I think the answer to your question about Indy 11 doing a deep run, going with a deep run is contingent on many factors. Okay. One of those factors is the starting 11. Uh, Indy 11 has, I don't think, I don't think Martin Reddy knows his starting 11 even now. Okay. Uh, I don't think he knows his, his, his set system. We just, on a whim, two, uh, 10 days ago started playing three at the back. That's interesting. Yeah. Why? I mean, three the, now it's in Vogue, right? Three-four-three three is something Absolutely. you guys have played, but there should be a reason for it. Yeah. It shouldn't be just something like, okay, the 442 4 2 isn't working, so I'm going to do a 3-5-2. Right. There should be more of a reasoning behind it. And I don't think we have the personnel to pull it off. So it depends on the starting eleven. It depends on what mood Martin Rennie is in. <laughs> uh, and a game between Indy Eleven and any team other than Cincinnati because it's a playoff game is a toss-up. Okay. But I would put the other team as favorite.
0: Okay. Understood. Um, so that covers Indy for us. Let's let's set Cincinnati aside for a second. Yeah. And let's set Louisville aside for a second yep. because we'll get to both of them independently. Sure. But uh, of the teams outside of Indianapolis. The ones fighting to get into the playoffs, you've got, I think at last count it was seven teams that still have a legitimate chance to take yeah. the last four playoff spots. Uh, what? Who do you expect to be the, the biggest threats to your, your top teams in the league right now? Who, who, who amongst them do you think has the ability to maybe shock one of the higher-seeded teams?
1: I think the way you phrased the last question is the best way to phrase that question. Okay. I think Tampa Bay Rowdies could beat any team in the USO. I agree. Including FC Cincinnati on mm. their day. I, I they agree. They are a brilliantly talented team. And when I say brilliant, they, they are, even with all the investment Cincy's made, in terms of talent of teams, I would put Tampa Bay Rowdies just a little bit below Cincy. Yeah. That's how good that team can be.
0: A lot of talent.
1: Yeah. Unbelievable unbelievable talent. Evan. I mean, I can go through that entire team and tell you how much better they are than every, every player in Indy 11, for example.
0: Absolutely. Position it's, by position. It's a, it's a scary team in terms of if you just look at them individually. They've had supremely uh, bad luck trying yes. to get that team to gel in any meaningful way.
1: No, that's exactly right.
0: And... Uh, I, I agree with you that Tampa is terrifying. And the team, in terms of style of play, that would most worry me if they were to be the team that we would come up against is a team like New York, who, oh, yeah. who can just outscore anybody on any given night. Yeah. Uh, you may end up losing a game, you know, 7-6 to six against New York yeah. just because they can score on anybody. And so those are the two teams that are sort of creeping around in those uh, bottom spots that, that LLS, are scary. Those two
1: teams are so strange, yeah. right? Look at TFC too. Uh, I don't they, want to. They were the whipping boys.
0: I don't want to look at them. Yeah, I
1: know you don't. But they were the whipping boys for so long.
0: Yeah. And just all of a sudden, start. In the last month and a half, they've played. They've played as well as you know any of the three through five teams uh, in the league. Real. It's been. We we play them uh, next week, and yeah. it's uh they've been a monkey on our back for a long time anyway, and so. uh that Toronto is terrifies is me.
1: Really good on that team. Is Noble Akello.
0: Okay. He's
1: a he's a holding midfielder. Kind of playing as a CM, but generally he's a number six, and can move the ball really well, box to box as well. Mm. Um, I don't. He 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 attracted a, uh, interest from Wolfsburg. Oh, wow. uh, in January, February, very talented player. Definitely a player that you guys will have to worry about.
0: And uh, and that is that. It's key to me right now that in your heart of hearts you can't worry about these things until you're actually there but as a louisville fan i just don't want to have to play in pittsburgh uh you're going to cincinnati if you're going to get to the final anyway and so that is what it is i i would really prefer to not play a game in pittsburgh where uh i'm sorry but bob Lilly can just shut up shop and make you beat him in a in a shootout which we've had which we've faced him in in the past so uh Terrifying, terrifying thought Mourinho to me. Of, uh... Very much so. Yeah. Except you know, with t- with talent and success. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, fair. <laughs> this year, I, 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 you got to give uh, the special one is due for you know ten years ago. Oh, no, but... he sucks. I hate. <laughs> um, all right, then let's talk about Cincinnati for a second before we get into the team that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Cincinnati, as you say, as talented as any team has ever been in the USL this year. Uh, Got to stretch, but I don't ever feel abused the rules. I think that uh, anybody, if you were told this is an option, and you had the ability to take that option, would have signed whoever they could sign for that. Uh, It never bothered me the way it did some others when they brought in Adi that way. Um, I think you talked about how Tampa Bay on their their day can beat anybody, including Cincinnati. is there, are there other teams that you feel can go out and beat a Cincinnati team in front of 30,000 fans in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm sorry, but I'm leaving the West out of this. I don't think, I'm sorry. I'm completely biased about Western Conference USL soccer, so I do not care. <laughs> um, but is there a team in the Eastern Conference that can knock Cincinnati out before they get to the final?
1: I think teams can do to Cincy what Cincy did to other teams last year. Okay. Which is if teams hunker down, play a very defensive style, and get to a penalty shootout, they can beat Cincy. Okay. Uh, but if if Cincy scores one goal, it's game over. Okay. Because once you have to come out of your shape and try to chase a goal against Cincy, they have Nazmi Abadawi, they have Ledesma, they have Walshman. They have Lahoud. And these are players who are so intelligent on the counter. So intelligent. Oh, McLaughlin, a player we were talking about before we started recording. McLaughlin tore us to shreds yesterday.
0: He he can be a scary player. Oh my
1: gosh. He was so good yesterday. He turned. So we had uh, marking, man marking him. Turned him three times. We got Emet on him. Turned him twice. Couldn't blame him. And, and, you know, he's not a regular starter. That's how good that team is. But anyway, my point is... If, if Cincy scores against you, you're not, that game's over. That
0: game's over. Then do you feel that a team like a Pittsburgh or a Charleston <laughs> maybe has, who is perfectly happy to park the bus, wants to make you come after them that way, do you think that they have a better shot at upsetting FC Cincinnati than, say, a Louisville who's going to say, we're going to come after you regardless? Right. Uh, I think even after the change from Coach O'Connor to Coach Hackworth, they've shown that they're, they they still want to score goals, and they're not they're not going to be a park the bus team. Do you think that that gives Charleston or Pittsburgh a better chance at that upset than it does for a team like uh, Louisville? I think you're spot on. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I think
1: a team that goes into the game understanding that they are severe underdogs and understanding that they have to play defensive to get past this team has more like more chance than a team like NB 11 team like Louisville City. Who still have a little bit of braggadocia about them, where they might truly believe that yeah. they might they could go toe to toe with FC Cincinnati. So I think you're spot on. Well,
0: and I think that Louisville, in particular, LCFC, because of our success against Cincinnati right. earlier in the season, I'm afraid and historically. And historically, I'm afraid that there is some uh, delusion's the wrong word. It's not it's not a delusion because the LCFC is a great team, and there's no there's no concern on my part not saying that, but that. It wasn't the team that it is today when Louisville beat them earlier in the season or last year the five to nothing game I believe that you know there are three members of that team still there let alone players who are actually seeing minutes Uh, this I think that there is an over amount of confidence for Louisville fans in terms of our chances against a Cincinnati team. I, I still think we'll beat them because I'm, you know, I'm a sure. fan. Of course. But uh, it's it's one of those exciting things where I can't even begin to imagine what the atmosphere would be like for an Eastern Conference final between Cincinnati and uh, Louisville. LCFC would send you know 2,000 people yeah. to that game. And it would probably be you
1: in, in that side. <laughs> I think
0: there, I think that there are a lot of uh, USL fans in general who would just want to be in that stadium. And that's a fun and that's a fun place for uh, the USL to be even if it's for a game or yep. for a season where it would attract casual nonpartisan soccer fans, which I think is the real, uh, that's the that's the golden ticket for the USL is to be able to say, you may not be a fan of either of these teams, but you want to be there. And uh, that's going to be that would be a fun night if it if it were to materialize. I am more worried about getting out of the first two rounds of the playoffs than I am about what happens once we play Cincinnati. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about Cincinnati. We, I mean, I'm sorry. Let's talk a little bit about Louisville. (laughs) We get uh, on on the in the house podcast. We get a lot of guests who are fans of the the boys in purple. Yeah. And uh, not a lot of people who would ever really give me a uh, a nonpartisan opinion about the team and uh, the direction of the team for the rest of the season. What have you seen in Louisville from the James O'Connor era, to the triumvirate, to Coach Hackworth, uh, in terms of the evolution of the team and what it means for their chances this season?
1: So I said this last year, um, over and over again, and I don't. I, this is not disrespect to Louisville City players, who I, who I know a couple of them personally, they're great people. I do not think Louisville City squad is a top five squad in the Eastern Conference. Okay. I didn't think it was that case last year. Okay. I think they were a brilliant, brilliant tactical team. Okay. They were a team that was designed to bring out the best of every single player mm-hmm. in that team under James O'Connor. <laughs> a team that was a squad that was bare, just bare. There were
0: like 18 players that... Just enough. Yeah. Suiting up two goalkeepers on the bench for most games. Exactly.
1: And James O'Connor trusted those players, and he made them believe that they were better than they were. And they played like they were better than they were. The reason I'm saying all that is I think the big change with uh, Coach Hackworth coming who's a very good coach, but Coach Hackworth coming in is a drop in that self-belief. Okay. And as a Manchester United supporter, I'll tell you that it matters. When Sir Alex left, players like Phil Jones and Tom Cleverley Cleverly sure. thought they were world beaters. When David Moyes came in, we they found no out, longer believed that. And we found out how Bang Average... No, <sighs> That's an unfair thing to say. But how they were not the best players in the league. Right. And I think with Louisville City under Coach Hackworth there has been a almost a regression to the mean is maybe a little too harsh but there's been a drop in players that were playing at 9s and 10s going to 6s through 8s okay um, and I think I think uh, something you told me I had no idea about was that are players are actually playing for their contracts yes because uh, a lot of those contracts are going to expire so I think it's up to the players now I don't think Coach Hackworth has designed a system that's drastically different. I don't think there's a system that is that is designed to change drastically, trying to change the way Louisville City plays, which shouldn't happen because right. they're, they're great. And I think it's up to the players to deliver on Coach Connor's legs. Yeah. Um, so that's been the big change. For me is I've seen players go, excuse me, from nines and tens in midfield uh, specifically. Uh, Del Piccolo, a player, oh. I'm just a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, George Davis, the who was just running riot last year when he was fit. Sure. Uh, I've seen players go from nines and tens to sevens and eights. And yeah, okay. I I hope, I so hope, that when you guys come up against Cincy, that you guys revert back to what you played last year because, for me, the story of the season of any American soccer last year, I didn't care, and I said this multiple times. Include MLS, include NASL. The story of last year was Noble City.
0: Well, that's that's always nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it, it's interesting to me. What do you
1: think? I'm curious. Well, to and you do you agree with that?
0: Actually? And that was what I was going to actually be saying. Is that it's it's interesting to me to hear from somebody who doesn't live in our insular world. Yeah. Uh, because we're a supporters group uh, podcast, and a supporters group podcast. Uh, the majority of the people I talk to even in my role as a interviewer is uh, other people who are in our supporters group and basically share our same thought processes right uh, there and is understandably a, so and there is a certain amount of uh, Big brotherliness sure. to being a fan of that caliber. Yeah. Um, where hearing anybody talk even remotely negatively sure. about about a player is just like, how dare you yeah, yeah. say that? Um, we it. we have actually, uh, my partner and I have felt strongly that George Davis the fourth in particular. Has actually perhaps played some of his best soccer yeah. over the last six to eight weeks yeah. uh, since he became one of the player coaches, and through where sure. we're at now, we've we've really been impressed with the amount of uh, the amount of production that we've gotten out of George Davis, who was really playing sixty to seventy minutes a game last year, yeah. and this year has been asked to play a full ninety a lot more yeah. frequently. Um, but there's a lot of agreement in terms of Paolo Del Piccolo, who for stretches last year and at the beginning of this year looked like the best midfielder the in the league. country. Yeah, and it was it was great to see. And since uh, he and uh, Luke Spencer and George Davis took over as the coaches when Coach O'Connor left, it's felt like uh, there's been not even a dip in production so much as just in terms of form like the things yes. we're used to yeah. seeing from him we're not always seeing yeah. games where you'd expect him to be in the 95 percent passing uh, accuracy you're seeing him at 88 which isn't bad it's just uh, it's just a different level based
1: on his standards it's a bit right
0: um but and that we still as a unit feel that uh, the team goes as paolo and speedy in the middle of the field go uh, that yep. you are immediately doing something different if we are not playing through those two in the middle of the field, and uh, different with our history of success, we equate with bad. Yep. And even when we've had the results, because we've won some games recently, you know, four-one last night and six nothing, and I mean some some butt whoopings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where it hasn't looked like our brand of soccer while we were doing it, uh, last night was actually the best. Last night was, uh, I'm sorry uh, to give context, last night was our 4-1 uh, to one victory over Atlanta United yep. too. Yep. And uh, last night was the best example of what I expect our lineup to be for the playoffs. It was perhaps the first time we've would seen you, them run out would
1: there. Would you say um, that you, your team is better prepared, just about better prepared, or no change for the playoffs compared to last year?
0: well it's easy to remember the the playoff run and how how good we looked during the playoff run last year but it's it's also easy to forget that we had lost a big game about two weeks before the playoff started and there was a lot of there was a lot of concern. It, it looked like we were going to be right there with the uh, Monarchs to go after the the, the league uh, shield last year. And We fell off down the stretch. The championship. Yes, the uh, <laughs> sure that's what you want to call it. Um, I think we'll keep proclaiming ourselves the champs until somebody beats us in the playoffs. But that's fine. Um, uh, there was a dip in form going into the playoffs and then right before we won two nice games going in and then just, you know, it was all she wrote. We went on a, we went on a great run. But I, I don't feel better or worse this year. I'm on record as predicting that I think that we're going to win the championship again. I, I think that we will. And I try to be as impassionate and impartial as possible about yeah. that. But I, I've really liked that Coach Aqua seems to have been being deconstructionist. Uh, he sort of broke down what we were doing under Coach O'Connor into its component parts and can said... You, can you uh, give me an example? Sure. Uh, if we played over the last 10 games of Coach O'Connor's reign, we had already moved back to a back four, essentially. And uh, during that time period, we played Blue City-looking soccer for all that those games. And when Coach Hackworth showed up, uh, he changed pe- where people were playing. Uh, and not in any heavy-duty sorts of ways, but uh, suddenly in playing more Alexi Swahi than Sean Tosh. Sure. Suddenly we're seeing uh, George Davis and Niall McCabe in place of, even before he was hurt, in place of Rasmussen, and you saw a lot more of Ilyat Illich playing uh, just underneath the striker.
1: this is a player that impre- has impressed me a lot. I, yeah.
0: And you, it's just sort of guys getting moved a bit, and not heavily. And trying to play the ball direct a little more often um, than we were accustomed to, and then we'll go back for a game to playing the way we had been playing and the the Pittsburgh game is the best possible example to me of we should have won that game it was a 2 to nothing lead for us before we gave up two very late goals one on a penalty and one on an own goal and that it is what it is but we had broken Pittsburgh down in Pittsburgh by playing long balls and being extremely efficient when we had the ball but we made them beat the we made them be, try to beat us playing their style of soccer which is something we never had ever done against a Bob Lilly team under Coach O'Connor. Coach O'Connor had always tried to play the ball through the middle and it had always turned into an ugly, ugly game of us giving up turnovers and having to defend on the counter. We did not do that at all under Coach Hackworth and it was interesting to see him try to deploy a different technique but then be able to switch right back to what we had done I feel like we're a more versatile team right now than we've ever been That's awesome. but I'm afraid that we are not as good at any one aspect of the game as we were under Coach O'Connor Coach O'Connor wanted to impose his will of the game onto other teams and he was immaculate at it Coach Ackworth really seems more willing to play to what the other team is giving us and that will either work really well or it won't and I don't think there's a way to know that until we see it but I like knowing that if we're getting dominated by a team like we have been in the past by the park the bus teams uh if we're getting dominated in the game like that i feel confident that we can try something different which we never would have done under coach o'connor right who would continue to have knocked his head into a wall for 90 minutes and had done uh i like that there are other options so that's where i'm at. cool that makes sense going into the playoffs we're we're three weeks out right now yeah uh Give me an uh, Indy 11 prediction. Where do you get seated? What? How far do you go? And how'd you get there?
1: I think we finished sixth. Okay. Um, so we'll play what, the third place team?
0: Which will either be Louisville or Pittsburgh, or I think it's still possible that it'll be Charleston.
1: I um, I think if we play Louisville City, I think we struggle. Mm. I think we play Pittsburgh, I don't know. I think we struggle. I think we have a chance against Charleston.
0: Okay. I agree with that assessment, by the way. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Um, so I guess TBD. I think Charleston is sort of Pittsburgh light. I think they're just not quite as good at what Pittsburgh does, yeah. and that's so. I think they belong in the fourth seed, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. All right. Now, give me a Cincinnati prediction. Are they the uh, USL Cup champions at the end of the season?
1: So as I said, my prediction was Louisville City mm. before the season. There's a part of me that wants to predict that because I would much rather see Louisville City win. But uh, I don't see anyone beating FC Cincinnati in 90 minutes. Yeah. I'll that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I have to say that Cincinnati are favorites. All
0: right. And is that who knocks Louisville out or do we get uh, surprise upset?
1: I think it will be the most fun... Playoff game in USL history when, since he plays Louisville
0: and I think that's going to happen well the, other than the outcome I think you predicted something that uh, that Lou City fans will uh, will appreciate yeah um, I really appreciate getting to meet you today this has My been life. a lot of fun I feel like uh, I've learned a lot and uh, that's, I have that's too. wonderful so sure
1: I appreciate you sharing all that with me Absolutely and
0: uh, make sure you stop by on uh, Sunday mm-hmm. in two weeks and get a beer with Scouse's house we, we look forward to seeing you I will do that for sure alright it's mm-hmm. been a real pleasure, pleasure. thank you thanks